How many like fresh bread? Well, you do, but you don't really need so much of it. But we're trying to uh, get a balance in life, aren't we? My mom was a great bread baker. She baked. She had her days, uh, you know, growing up. Uh, she had a baking bread day. And uh, oftentimes she'd take the, left, the extra dough and make caramel rolls or cinnamon rolls. That's why I like Jackie's rolls so much because they're just kind of really close to like my mom. But uh, we're talking about it. We're going to talk in Scripture about uh, Jesus said he's the bread. He's the bread of life. And uh, people have yet to understand really what that. We have a job, don't we, to help people understand. He's the only one that can really satisfy. So the whole message today really is going to boil down to this. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy. Even this earthly stuff that we all have, this, all this stuff that we, you know, we need to get food and covering. We, we all need the basics. All the extras is a blessing. But it's never meant, it was never meant for us to uh, begin to take the place, or all the extra stuff was never meant to take the place of Jesus. And so our, our Lord is our provider. Our Lord is absolutely uh, in caring, oh, caring about us. In fact, he, he, Jesus showed himself, shows compassion. And you, you read, you've read that story, I'm sure, many times where he multiplied the fishes and the several loaves that he fed the multitudes with that. Jesus showed earthly, you know, when he was on earth, he went around doing good. That's what was in his heart. He was caring for those who were sick. He often helped those who could not help themselves, such as the man who was, had, the, had the condition at the, Beth, uh, the pool of Bethesda. And uh, the, the angel would stir the water, you know, that story. And, and the man would say, well, how, am I, how am I supposed to get into the water here? No one here to help me. And Jesus said, well, I be healed, right? Jesus doesn't need anything, any props. Jesus doesn't need any extra things. He just, he is who he is. So today, we're going to kind of pick off from the, uh, take off from that story. He just has, he had just fed uh, 5,000 people with blessing and over and over. You know, how many know that Jesus is in the multiplying business and he wants his house to be full? He wants his kingdom to be expanded. He is in the multiplying. In fact, we learn from principle here that what little you may feel like you can do, Jesus can expand that. You give him a little lunch, and he provided it for the whole multitude. Never underestimate the power of saying a good word to someone, a word of encouragement, a word of truth, a word of being positive. You know what? I see something good. I I, I think that we can speak life into people. We can speak, uh, minister to them as Jesus did to many, so many. And it's just, uh, it, it just occurred to me while I was at camp, I actually heard a message on this very, very text. Actually, it was taken from the Gospel of Luke. But uh, the person who went into it described a bit about how is it interesting that right after a huge blessing, miracle, success, mountaintop experience, the next scene is that the disciples are in a boat and there's a storm. How many have been there, done that? You just thought you were getting ahead. You just thought you were going, you know, this, uh, we're going to have some clear sailing now. Life is good. 
right? But how many know that storms come? Storms, you may be in a storm right now. You may be in a storm. I have good news. Jesus goes where there's a storm. Jesus is not afraid of the storm. He's often rescued people from the storm. And the storm was blowing. The wind was blowing. The so strong. Verse 18, uh, they were stirred because a strong wind was blowing. When therefore uh, they had rowed about three or four miles, behold, Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. You can imagine. They thought they saw a ghost. No human person can walk on water that I know of. But only the supernatural power of Jesus. And he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. I would imagine as they, as they recognized his voice, they said they were willing, therefore, to receive him into the boat. In an interesting phrase here, immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. I don't know. Did it just kind of like show up? Were they already that close? But what the interesting thing is in the next verse or two, the next day the multitude that stood on the other side of the sea saw that there were no other small boats there except one. And that Jesus had not entered with the disciples into the boat, but that his disciples had gone away alone. So they're in their mind and they're, and they're questioning, how did he get here? How did he get here so fast? There came other small boats from Tiberias near to the place where they had ate the bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the multitude therefore saw that, the, that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, this really looks good. I mean, the crowd is stirred. The crowd is already wondering, where's the next meal? Right? And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them and said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not. Jesus gets to the point. He didn't answer that question. But he begins to speak to the to issue that's at hand. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw a sign, but because you ate of loaves and were filled. In other words, why should we seek Jesus? What's our motivation? What is our primary reason to seek Jesus? It shouldn't just be for the signs. In answering the question, it shouldn't just be following Jesus for what he can do for you. But if he never done one more thing for you, he's already done enough. Because the cross says it all to us. But he wants to do miracles. He wants to provide for you. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be the one who guides and directs your paths. But Jesus is pointing out something about 
the motivation, and he begins to draw from this situation, this story, as often Jesus did. did. He took from the circumstances, he looked at the heart, he looked at the motivation, he said, don't work for food which perishes. He begins to draw their attention to what's most important. A bottom line message is this, don't work for food that perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. So he goes on to explain in the next verses what is that which is most important. So I would, I'm going to call this message the bread of life, the bread that satisfies, the real bread, the real reason that gets us up in the morning. The real reason you want to go back to the workplace when sometimes you're just ready to throw in the towel. The real purpose for us belonging in this time and season. The real purpose for you when you're in a storm is to bring the reflection in the person of Jesus Christ, to bring the message of hope, to bring the truth of God that sets free people free. That which is, he speaks about the food, the real food of Jesus said later on, just skipping down, Jesus in verse 35 said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. He who th- believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that, uh, that you have seen me and you do not believe. And so this, this whole gospel of John is a theme, and you know what it is. What is it? Believe. Do you believe? Believe. Over and over, for God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth. That Jesus was often asking the question, do you believe? And there were doubts. Were they believing because they saw the signs and they saw the multitudes fed by a small boy's lunch? Or were they believing Jesus because of who he said he was? Were they believing him because of the evidence of the miracles? Or were they believing because they had a walk, they had a relationship with him, they understood, they were hearing his word and they were receiving it. And really, bottom line is this, you can never tell for certain by how things are going. It doesn't mean that God is leaving you out or trying to chastise you, somehow whip you into better shape. I think many times our trials and our tribulations come because of the fact we live in a fallen world. And the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. Why do some people have to suffer more than others? I don't know the questions. I don't know the answers to the questions. But I can find peace knowing that God does. And if I can find peace in knowing that God will someday help me understand, somehow God is going to, going to weave all this... As material, so to speak, all our trials, all our pains, even our tears, even our sorrows, God in his word in Psalms said he bottles our tears. What does that mean? He bottles your tears. He understands. He actually recognizes. He knows where your thoughts are far off. He knows when you're down, when you're up. He knows that when you're struggling and when you're not struggling. And all in all through it, all he wants is all he wants is for you to let him in your boat. All he wants is, is an invitation. 
Will you just let me be a part of this day? Will you just let me handle this? Will you let me carry you sometime through the time where you cannot carry yourself when you don't know what to do? How many have been there? Yeah. It's almost like you don't know how much more you can take. There will be days like that. Even Jesus said that. Jesus had a way about him, didn't he? He had a pattern. He had a, so I would say a routine, but he also was, I'm sure, spirit-led moment by moment. Holy Spirit led him. How do we know this? Because we see in Scripture the Spirit led him and it's early on in his preparation for his ministry in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. It says the Spirit led him to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Well, that's not easy. The Spirit led him. So he won. He, he won the battle. But he was exhausted. And the enemy came very close to the end of his strength and began to hit on him, begin to speak lies, and begin to tantalize you. Oh, if you're the son of God, just throw yourself down. It doesn't, it just says that he'll give his angel charge concerning you, right? Right? No. I shall not tempt the Lord thy God. And Satan was no match for our Lord because Jesus is the word. John's Gospel 1, Jesus was the Word in the beginning. He is the Word. He's the Word. He's the Word. He's still the Word. The Word is, is that which will help us understand our, our, our path. But I want to say this. The Word, Jesus Christ, through His Word, is that which satisfies our inner man. You can do a lot of fun things. Go ahead. Have fun. You can have a lot of things that are enjoyable. But there's something missing if you haven't had your time alone with Jesus. Your time alone with Jesus begins to satisfy you like none other. Your personal walk with Jesus is the most important. The most important thing that you and I can do is spend time with Jesus. To hear from him. To understand that he has a plan and a purpose. Jesus seeing their heart recognized that they were seeking perhaps just for another meal, that they were kind of amazed by the miracle. They were kind of amused by fascinating. By, and God can do fascinating things, but whenever God does a miracle, it's always to bring people to their faith. Do you understand who I am? Do you believe who I am? Remember when Jesus confronted Peter. Remember that story, Jesus said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And Jesus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, thou art the Christ. He had a revelation. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus went on from his statement, I will build my church upon the rock. Some would say, well, that was Peter. Peter was the rock. His name, his name meant Peter. But I really feel it was the expression of what Peter said. You are the Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
in spite of all the things that we're hearing, all the confusion about what's right, what's wrong, Jesus still remains the solid bedrock of faith that we can stand upon him. He's not going to change. And I'm so glad he is an anchor in the storm of life. If we ever lose our way, if we ever get off path, Jesus is there for us to, to, be, to get back on. The father illustrated in the prodigal son was looking for the son. Jesus is coming back for his church. Those who are looking for him. You know, many times we can become overcome by life. And I know for the Shrunks lately, the Shrunk family that has been going through with Seth. By the way, I saw Seth just looking great. Uh, saw Seth on Friday. Oh, wait a minute. Thursday. And uh, some of you haven't uh, understood what's happened to Seth. He had a motorcycle accident about a month ago. Uh, going down 371 and really smashed onto a coming, someone coming across. Uh, and uh, many bones broken, many, many bones, facial bones, pelvis, femur, uh, both wrists, on and on, elbow. And uh, we talked for 15, 20 minutes. His eyes are bright. Uh, I thought, man, uh, Lord, you are, you are so with Seth. The fact that he's, he lived through that, I said to Seth, God has great plans for you. He says, yeah, I wonder what they are. <laughs> it was just, we, we, by the grace of God. And, but you know what he says? He says, you know, I know, I know where I'm going. He's already, don't say this to anybody. I want. I can't wait to get back on a motorcycle. Well, mom over here. Oh boy. Okay. Anyway, it just proves to me. Wow, God has plans for you. God has. What, the, what circumstances somehow is going to make you a stronger person? That you're going to have a testimony like none other. You're going to have a testimony that the grace of God, the, the fact that God protected you, his mind is sharp, his back is no injury. It's huge. I'm so rejoicing. Continue to pray. Um, he was actually talking about being deployed this fall. And he's in the he's in the um, Marines, and he was actually talking. Well, maybe. What an attitude! He's not just going to give up. That's what I thought. That's that's a that God at work in a young man's life. You see, Paul talked to Timothy, a young man who was in the ministry that actually Paul had mentored and poured his life into and gave instruction. And, and Paul sent a letter to Timothy, and one of those letters in chapter uh, 6, verses 6 through 10, actually explained 
the very uh, essentials. In fact, I want to just look at that. The very essentials of our life that really we don't need as maybe as much as we think we need. Now, I'm not going to get into it. If God blesses you and you have lot, you have abundance. Share it and rejoice and know that God has blessed you. And it's all about what He He has granted you. Well, here's the here's the really the bottom line when it comes to how much is enough. First Timothy chapter six, it says verse six. But godliness actually is a means of great gain. Accompanied by contentment. We have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. You're not going to see a U-Haul behind anyone's hearse, are you? And if we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. Notice the word content comes up at least twice. Here's where we get into the trouble. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin. Well, the love of money is a root of all sorts. So the problem is not the money. The problem is not the material. The problem is the heart that can get uh, taken off, uh, get, get, get on the wrong track, begin to love the things, love the money, love the stuff more than the giver of it. So... I'm not the judge. God has blessed many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, and I know you probably feel blessed today. How many know that you're blessed when you can get up and breathe and move and have your living? Yes, you're blessed, right? And that attitude uh, reflects from the simple, basic thing. It's a simple, basic thing that really all we need when we have Jesus because Jesus, again, the statement, Jesus is the only one that can satisfy. And so many people without, if we don't have Jesus in our heart, we begin to accumulate stuff so much that we're trying to stuff a hole in our heart that we can't fill. And we come up short every time. We come up frustrated. And the eternal view is the eternal perspective is kind of muddied. How many know that there is, a, there is a real treasure, there is a real home that awaits you. There is a real place we know as heaven. There is what is we know as eternity. That is what will happen with you after you die. Eternity is forever and forever and forever. And the Bible says we have a choice to choose. Uh, we can choose heaven or, or by not choosing God, we choose hell. So God has made provision for us to escape hell. We don't have to be afraid that we're going to go there. Just such as was a conversation with the, one of my uh, persons that I was doing work for. And he described how you know, he'd been to Vietnam, and he, I'm sure he'd seen a lot of horrible things. And he felt like he'd done so many bad things. He was a, he was a believer, but he says, I, I, don't, I suppose I'll go to hell anyway, is what he basically said. But I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't have to live like that. The Bible says, believe. Believe on the Lord. Jesus has made provision for you. 
And hopefully we have been able to we'll have more contact. We just have to somehow love people enough to tell them, you know, uh, I think a lot of Christians fall into this same scenario. They never feel good enough. You ever had those? I have. You never feel good enough. Well, what do we have to do to be good enough? We're never going to make it. If I have to do so many things to say I'm going to be good enough now, I've just said to God, oh, your sacrifice didn't quite cut it. I've got to kind of help you out here. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus, I am the way. No man can come to. No man can come in except through me. No other name. No other way. And so the good news is that the bread of life is the, the understanding that we are going to live with Jesus forever and forever and forever. That is a satisfaction knowing that when we check out from this place, it's going to be the best day of our life. Um, come on. The best day of your life that you begin. You're, you're really home. Now you're really home. This is but a temporary. You see what Lord, the Lord was trying to tell, I think, just trying to portray the message. You guys are following me for the fishes and the loaves, the miracles. You, see, you, you saw this. That's just, just temporary. You're always going to be hungry again. You know, that's the way we are. We're hungry. We eat a meal. For a few, few hours, we're hungry again. But we enjoy eating, right? Thank God we have something to eat. But we know that our real need and that our real appetite that can only be quenched by the Lord himself, that when he puts an end to the fear and he puts an end to the guilt and the condemnation in one moment's time, when we say, Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner. And he does so. We're coming down the pike. We have hope. Some of us are further ahead in our seasons of life. I say seasons. Some of, some of us are further ahead in our race, so to speak. Our race, we're running. We're not trying to outdo each other. We're not trying to get who can get there first. This race is a race that you set out on a pace and God is orchestrating. God is saying, just keep going. God is saying to you, just fix your eyes upon me. God is saying, don't, don't dwell in the past. You learn from the past. Okay, you have good memories or you have bad memories. But all in all, every day is a new day. What we need to ask God as Jesus modeled in his Lord, in the, as we know the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus didn't say, give us now the whole year's worth. In the Old Testament, when the manna came down, as Jesus referred to in this very chapter, they ate the manna, they ate the manna daily. It was actually a, uh, a command that they could only take for one day. Otherwise, it would What? It would go foul, it would stink, it would, go, it would spoil on them. 
And the scripture says it would breed worms. I don't want to eat worms. I want fresh bread. And what is the Lord teaching us? Can we trust him for one day at a time? I believe God's intention was for us to trust him one day at a time. Now, I know there's scriptures that it's good to store up, and I think it's wisdom to plan ahead for the future financially if you can, or in other ways keep things up. But I, I understand at the same time, we don't have a guarantee about next year. We don't have a guarantee about whatever this week. But there's a comfort in knowing that Jesus understands even things. If things go down, if things bust loose, we know who we have to stand upon. And wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if I could sort of stop worrying so much, if I could worry less and trust more. And I know moms with children, you have a God-given gift to worry, okay? Let me clear that up. You have it in your nature as a mother to care. And so you have to turn it over. My mother would pray often because she knew that's what she had to do. Otherwise, she would, she would be overwhelmed. After seven kids and all their things they were you know, risking their lives, dared, daring one another to do. I remember playing in a fish house once as a boy, and I said, well, this, what's this thing? It was, a, it was one of those uh, spikes on a stick, and I was just a little guy, and was, I would say, well, how would this work if I stuck it in the, and I missed and stuck it in my leg? I never told anybody about that. Stuff happened. I was grinding in a grinder as a young boy. My dad would say, well, just don't stick your hand in there. Oh, okay. Use a stick. If you didn't follow instructions, you were going to pay for it. What there were so many things on the farm. And then it was, we got into trap lines. It was either thin ice or it was something. He didn't know for certain. We had a mother that prayed and we had a father that prayed. What I'm saying is, is our God big enough? Yes, he is. You have kids you're concerned about. You have grandkids you're concerned about. Keep being concerned. Keep offering their names to Jesus. Because he's going to make a way. He's going to bring them in. He's going to bring them to their senses, so to speak. He's going to, he wants to save them more than you do. But he wants you to pray. He wants you to believe. He wants, to bring, uh, he wants you to be a part of the, of the solution. He wants to bring you in on the miracle. Remember when Lazarus was called by Jesus out of the grave, and he says to the people, unbind him. He wants to involve you with the miracle. 
he says to the disciples, you feed them. Right? Well, they're like, whoa. No, no, you feed them. Just start. And as they started, they were amazed. It kept coming. It kept coming. It kept coming. You don't know if you have enough strength for what's ahead. I've had these thoughts. I've had these feelings. Am I going to, you know, what's, what's the plan here? One day at a time. The Lord will show you when you get there. Did Abraham know where the sacrifice was coming from? When, he, when Isaac asked his father, the wood, where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? Where's the ram? And God provided a ram. God, and Abraham said, God will provide. Can we live like that? Wow, what a way to live. I know, I know what some of you are thinking, and I think the same way. God gave us common sense. If you ever under, underestimate, common sense is good, okay? But somehow balanced with faith. That you're not so sure about everything, but you're sure that God has a plan. You're not, you don't know all the details. But I want to say this and leave you with this. The more God gives to us from his spirit, from his word, the more we understand we need him. How does that work? The more I receive from his word, the more I understand, the more I I want to understand. And so this whole idea of walking with Jesus, we're going to walk right into eternity and keep right on learning. Keep right on learning. I believe throughout eternity we're going to continue to learn the things of God. The secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret thing belongs to God, but the things he's revealed to us belong to us. Right now, we have enough. Do we have enough for this day? Yes. Tomorrow comes, we'll have enough for that day. You see what I'm saying? The next trial that comes, you're going to have enough because God has enough for you. And so we need to keep on. Trusting the Lord, he satisfies all in all. We used to call, uh, we used to talk about pre-trib. Pre-trib, meaning we go before the tribulation. And there's two other views. Mid-trib, which go somewhere in the middle. And some believe they go somewhere on the end. And I don't know where we got it, Carrie and I. We used to come up with pan trip. Pan trip. It'll all pan out. Okay? It's all going to play out just exactly the way God wants it. We don't have all the answers. If we had all the answers, it'd be way too much of a temptation to assume and take for granted. It's everything. But God has designed us to we keep coming to him. We keep bringing to him our hearts. We keep showing up to his word. 
we discipline ourselves to read through the Bible. Even when it seems boring at times, there are areas that we just keep plowing through. And many of you are, are I applaud you. You're plotters. You're steady. You're plowers. You're steady. You just keep going and just keep going. So I applaud you. Let's be the people that keep going, keep living it, keep believing it. One more song, if you would stand.